0: The core message of the Torah, what what you know, you might call all of the Torah on one leg, is this sense of optimism. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to The Current Podcast. Um, We have another fantastic episode lined up for you today. We're joined by Dr. Yael Ziegler, a renowned teacher, author, and the director, and Rosh Bet Midrash of Matan. Um, We'll be asking uh, Yael our question for the season to teach us the whole Torah standing on one leg. Um, And hopefully she'll be giving us uh, some things to think about from her book, uh, Lamentations, her book about Eicha, um, that we can use Uh, during this period of the three weeks uh, leading up to Tisha B'Av for some inspiration um, and for some direction. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Dr. Yael Ziegler. It is uh, truly a pleasure to be joined by Dr. Yael Ziegler. Um, This is the first episode we're recording this season virtually via Zoom. Um, Yael's traveling uh, in in America Um, and so thank you for giving us the time uh, and for joining us this week. Um, we'll start off with our question for the season um Dr. Al Ziegler please can you teach us the whole Torah while standing on one leg?
0: So it's you know a bit of a challenging question um but first of all good morning it's great to see you both um and you know I I think one of the things that I think that is really extraordinary in the Tanakh is this core of optimism that runs throughout the Tanakh. Now, I mean, Obviously, the Tanakh uh, is formulated around this historical story of Am Yisrael, and the story of Am el has its ups and downs. Maybe even I would say more. It's downs than it's ups, right? There is even during the period that Amisrael is in the land of Israel, there's a lot of difficult times. Uh, but certainly, I mean, the story itself moves towards some kind of calamitous conclusion, right? I mean, that's that's where the Sefer Melachim goes. That's where uh, eventually the enterprise of Amisrael setting themselves up in the land of Israel that's where it moves toward. so we start out i guess with this optimism of avram going on this journey and we wind up with this journey collapsing in this terrible dust of the chorbat which is obviously what we're thinking about during this period of the three weeks. um and, and yet with all of that and with all of that calamity what i think really is the 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 core message of the torah what what you know you might call all of the Torah on one leg, is this sense of optimism. Because really, I think, you know, Melachim should be the end. It Really, Eicha should be the end, right? There's the book of Eicha should be the conclusion of the Torah. The Everything that we've been working towards didn't work. It collapsed, it, it spiraled out of control. And then the book of Echa is a book of lamentation. And, and the book of Echa really does give a sense of hopelessness and despair. And yet and yet, the Torah or the Tanakh picks itself up again, dusts itself off and, and moves forward, right? We, we, we move towards um, this next period and, and it's a big surprise, right? It's a surprise. But it's actually not such a surprise because I think that this theme of uh of, of the bait which is charev banoy charev banoi charev banoi right destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt. I think that ultimately that's not just the theme of Tanakh, but I think it's what the Tanakh is trying to teach us that there is no reason for despair. Uh, that even though, I mean, there is reason for despair, but even though there is reason for despair, there is no, um, uh, there's no recourse. There's no, there's no. The, the idea is is that we're meant to pick ourselves up and move on. We're meant to hold on tenaciously to that faith that the journey is going to continue even when we're on the brink of this abyss. Um, and, and so if you ask, you know, I mean, I could give you, I think, many different examples of other places in Tanakh where this message is kind of unpacked or 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 even hidden. But the the, the first place that I would go to, which is really I think the most relevant place for us now, is this movement from Echa to Zion. Maybe I'll just use I'll take one linguistic example uh before we Maybe move on to some other examples. And that is, of course, that uh, you know, Echa ends with this sense of 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 hopelessness. Right. We have chadesh We have this moment, this glimpse of hope at the end of Echa. There isn't a lot of hope in Echa, but we do have that glimpse of hope. And then it crashes down with the words. Um, uh, that's the actual end of Eicha. You have surely rejected us. You have been greatly wrathful with us. Now we tend to, when we read the Book of Eicha in in shul, we tend to um, we respond to that end. We t- we tend to this kind of um, uh, uh, goal of optimism by. Repeating the penultimate verse, right? The, the second to last pasuk, but really echa ends with this sense of God's wrath, with this sense of God's rejection. And yet, when you look ahead at the books of Treyasar, uh, the the books of shivatzion Zion, right? The, the final books of treasar you see us kind of dusting ourselves off from that, um, that, that sense of despair, from that anger. And I'll bring you a linguistic example, which is the very beginning of the book of Zechariah, right? Which is of course, a, a book of Shibat Zion. It's the book of rebuilding the Mikdash. Haggai and Zechariah are the prophets who encourage Yisrael to rebuild after this very catastrophe. And how does the book of Zechariah begin? What's the first word of Zechariah? Indeed, God was very angry at your forefathers. Right? It's returned to me. It's the same words that we use in the Shul to kind of not allow the Echa ending to be a um, a, a despair, a, a, you know, a, a sense of despair. And that's exactly what Zechariah says. He says, you know, it's true. God was angry at you, but get up. It's time to return to God. And that kind of optimism, I think you see embedded in many different um, in many different ways in Tanakh. I think in general, in Judaism, in Tfilah, I see it, um, So that's, that's,
2: that's a call of Torah, our regular. Um, I guess, yes. So taking it, I guess, a step away from Eicha for a minute, and obviously we'll come back to it in a bit more detail. But I mean, you've been dedicated your life teaching Tanakh in uh, in Midrashot, in in, uh, Michlelet Herzog, and now first and foremost in Matan. How do you bring that optimism into your teaching of Tanakh?
0: Well, you know, I, I actually think it's just not so hard. <laughs> I think it's everywhere. I'm sure part of it has to do with my personal personality. You could actually teach Tanakh and, and not uh you know, not necessarily look at all the optimism because you know there is, as I said, there there are a lot of um human failings that, that are recorded in Tanakh. And I would even say that one of the most frequently asked questions that I get when I teach Tanakh on my travels. Is you know and why why do Amistr al sin so much right so there is a, and and I, I I agree that that is a, a a really important Tanakh theme. I'm not focused on that theme. Well, first of all, because I think that the Tanakh is actually moving us past the sins, but probably also because that's what I'm looking for. Um, so, so a couple of ways that I think that it it you know that I can kind of. Tease it out, and again, it very much depends on what you're teaching. Um, uh, you know how you're going to find it. So you know, I'll give an example from this, something I was teaching this past year. Uh, so this past year I was teaching the Avram stories, right? Which was, I think, uh, you know, it was a wonderful opportunity to open uh, the journey of Am Yisrael and see how some of those basic themes are embedded at the very beginning in the Avram story. Um, so you know, one thing I think that that we note from the Avram story is right away that the Avram story is really a journey, right? I mean that if there's one word that you could use about the Avram story, it's a journey, right? His, his story opens with lech lecha, and it closes with lech lecha. Right? So the only two lech lechas in Tanakh. God says to Avram, lech lecha That's how he opens the journey. Leave, walk, and, and go on this journey from your father's house, from your birthplace. And and, and at the very end, in Yitzhak, it Yitzchak, the, the the life of Avram is framed by that lech lecha haharim, Asher, Omar, Elijah, right? Go to one of the mountains and I'll show you. But what is this journey? Right? So I, I like to see it as the kind of microcosm of the journey of Amisrael. Um, and it's a really long journey, a journey that takes us to the brink of despair. Right? Now, there are several different ways that you see how long this journey is. One, of course, is the brief Eid of Tareim. Right? God says to Avram, this is not going to be. A a, 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 an easy journey. It's not going to be a quick journey. You're not going to see immediate gratification, right? I think this is something which you know is very difficult for people nowadays when we're used to everything you know being kind of instant gratification. Well, God tells Abram the opposite, right? He says this is going to be a 400 year journey, and it's going to be fraught with difficulties, and it's going to be fraught with the opportunities to lose faith. And to despair. But don't worry, because at the end of the journey, you are going to emerge with great um with, with 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 great benefit from this journey. And in fact, it's the journey itself, which I think is important. The journey itself is a journey of acquiring faith, of acquiring patience and perseverance, and a certain kind of inner um uh uh internal belief in God. Um, and, and there's I think no place that Avram experiences it more than with the birth of Yitzhak, right? Which is a birth that causes laughter, right? It's it's a it's a it's an absurd story. It's a it's a story of schok Asali Elohim, right? We have this. 89 year old woman and this 99 year old man. And at every turn, their attempt to achieve fertility is thwarted. And every time that Avram thinks that he has found the next generation, the one who is going to continue him, whether it's Lot or it's Ishmael, it, 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 Turns out that that's that's not that's not the the um the, that's not the continuation of his journey, and then God says to him, "You're going to have this child," and it's absurd, right? The idea of having a child at that point in the journey it causes laughter. Well, I think that that's the journey of Am Yisrael. It, it causes laughter, laughter of disbelief, laughter of the absurd, laughter that when you're on the brink of losing hope in the future, that hope um, suddenly appears. Right? It's the it's it's the geula, right? It's the geulah. It's what Rabbi Akiva says when he sees the Beit Hamikdash. But um, that is destroyed and everybody's crying. And Rabbi Akiva laughs. He laughs because he says, I know that the journey of Am Yisrael is that at the end, when we're 99 years old and we think that there is no hope to birth the future, that future will be birthed. It's what enables Abraham to walk to the top of the mountain and say to his ne'arim, Nishtachaveh aleichem. We will bow down and we will return to you. Somehow we will get over this uh this experience of despair. And I think that the story of Avram ultimately it's a it's an optimistic story. It's the story of. Um, of Am Yisrael. it's a story of of Geulah. It's the story that even when we think there is no future around the corner, that future emerges. And there's some really amazing midrashim in Akedah Yitzchak, especially that I think point us to this um, to this conclusion. In fact, that that uh, citation that I mentioned before of it, that appears often in different Midrashim of the Beit HaMikdash being charev, charev, right? Destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed. It appears among other places in the context of Achida Yitzchak. That Avraham, when he's, when he's experiencing this sense of having, uh, uh, on the brink of losing everything, you know, standing over the abyss, feeling like there is no future, God shows him the Beit HaMikdash right? That's the that's the experience of Avram's journey. I think Avram's journey is a journey of the into the absurd. It's what you know uh, Kierkegaard calls the spontaneous leap into the absurd, the one that ultimately leads to this uh, uh, unbelievable uh right? This idea that Thank God we are experiencing today of Am Israel after 2000 years being restored to, to, their, to their land. Who could have ever believed that? It's like an 89 year old woman uh, being uh, given vibrancy again. <laughs> Those words that Sarah says, after my withering, shall I really have renewal? Those words could be said by Am Israel today. Those words could be said during Shabbat Sion, right? So this idea, this this kind of really deep core of optimism that we find in so many different ways in the Tanakh, I think it's really the the, the song of Am Yisrael. I think it's the uh, the 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 it's our national anthem. It's our it's 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 Kolat Torah al Regalecha, and we haven't even talked about Tefillah yet, which we'll get to.
1: We will get to Tefillah. I, I... You you said that like you're, you're finding optimism uh, in all of these stories, perhaps is, is a little bit part of your personality as well. Um, so if I could challenge that with my personality as the you know, stiff upper lip, uh, pessimistic British man, um, that you know I've been looking at Abraham and Sarah and like That sort of all these times where there's this element of despair and things turn around, there's a miracle involved. And when it comes, you know, it's just to say with you know at the end of Echa, where we say and Hashem, and then we sort of have this other pasuk that's a, a, a bit more negative or pessimistic, um, and then Zachariah begins with um, with Hashem saying it the other way around. How and why why do you choose? Or how do you how do you find the optimism there when, like, just looking at it today in 2023, it's quite easy to say, well, you know, Avraham and Sarah and all the people through Tanakh, all this despair, and then a miracle comes along and saves them, but we've been waiting for 2,000 years and no miracle has come and turned things around for us yet. Um, or to say that, you know, we turn to, in, our, in the greatest moments of our despair, as, you know, the, as the Beit HaMikdash is burning and people are dying all around us and we say, Hashem, like, you know, bring us back to you. Like, you know, we need your help. Put, like, stretch out your hand and we'll we'll grab for it. And Hashem turns around and says, no, you put your hand out first. Um, like, how... how how does the everyman, how does a person who perhaps isn't as innately optimistic and positive, um, how do you hold on to that optimism? How do you, and this perhaps could be our segue into the Tefillah element because it's something that we do every day. But, you know, I, 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 especially in the three weeks and especially in the run up to Tisha B'Av and reading Eicha and reading uh, the Kinot, I I personally have always found it to be very pessimistic um, and very negative in that, you know, and then we come into this idea of like being the only cure for Sinachinam and that sort of thing. But there still seems to be uh, the impetus is on us, on the, you know, to, to find the positive and even perhaps ignore negativity and ignore things that have happened before in order to sort of be blindly optimistic. So how does one? How do you find that optimism? I, I, it, it certainly seems very very foreign to me.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there are so many ways to address your 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 question, which is a a good question. I mean, I alluded to it that one could certainly look read the Tanakh and 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 learn these stories and emerge with a, a, a slightly different and very um, very different conclusion. Of you know, human beings are are filled with failings, and 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 life is a series of you know crushing despair. Uh, certainly, Abraham could arrive at that conclusion. There are remarkable things that he doesn't. So I'll say a couple things. First of all, if you had if you had asked me this question, you know, eighty years ago, I would have had a really hard time answering. Right, because the, the Am Yisrael as a nation was in a, 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 a completely different situation. When I learn certain Mitzmoray Tehillim today, or the you know the 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 Perkei the chapters of consolation in Yeshaya, which we're hopefully about to start reading right after Tisha B'av, we'll read our our Sheva I I ask myself, how did people read these chapters? You know, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, today I really do feel that we are watching some of these more optimistic um, parts of Tanakh unfold bef- before our eyes. Now that doesn't mean that the details are always wonderful, right? Why? Because humans are humans, right? One of the one of the wonderful things in the Tanakh, and and this is another, you know, Kol Torah al Dagerachad. But um, you know, one of the wonderful things in the Tanakh is that the Tanakh never pretends humanness out of existence, right? The Tanakh never pretends that human beings can be superhuman, right? I, I think I think that that is something very very central to the Tanakh, which is that by showing us over and over the the failings, the weaknesses of humans it creates, I think, a certain um, both truth in the way that it regards humans, but also there's a certain comfort there because what it's telling us is we know that human beings are humans and we're always going to fail and we're always going to have internal uh, pettiness and jealousies and struggles and conflicts with each other. I mean, the story starts out with Cain and Abel, right? The, the the conflict that we're seeing around us today. This isn't some kind of newfangled problem, right? This is this is an old, embedded human experience. And yet, with all of the failings and the flaws of human beings, God sets the bar very high. And he keeps putting the bar high again, right? So we fall short of it. And sometimes we, you know, we rise to the occasion, perhaps rarely, right? Within the whole story of Melachim, I can think of very few uh, periods in which Abisra'll kind of, you know, rise to the opportunity that we've been given. This is an old story. This is not a new story. But God keeps setting the bar high, because his expectations of us are that we will rise to those expectations. So I don't see it as something um, that is, you know, depressing that all these, all of these um, failings, I see it as that is the nature of human beings. Our purpose in life is to try to take all of those experiences, the difficult ones, and the wonderful opportunities that were given as human beings and to try to use them in order to realize the purpose of our existence. And that is very much the backdrop of Tanakh. And there's something about that that I think is very very, uh, wonderful and optimistic and promising. Now, I would say something else, which is that you know, we're sort of talking about two different things here, and I don't want to mix them up too much. One is the individual experience and the other is the national experience, right? So I, there's, a, for me, even while I look around me and I see lots of protests and lots of, you know, um, I, I think uh, certain kinds of of, of societal fraction that, that, you know, are splashed all over the paper. I also see a period of great opportunity, uh, within a national context. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there, there are wonderful things happening even as. The paper likes to, um, I, I think, you know, focus on 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 the negative. But I would also say something about the individual experience because I think that the story of Avram is also teaching us something about the individual experience. Life is filled with challenges for not just a, not just the nation, but for individuals. And I think that Avram story teaches us that we at, at, we have that core of resilience and faith that enables us, and I think it's a, a remarkable um, uh, human ability, that enables us to draw on that, to be able to move forward, even when things seem very difficult. Now, obviously, I'm not, you know, not every individual is able to do that. Not, you know, obviously, each person has to, you um, has to contend with their own circumstances but i think that that's part of the story of human beings and by the way going back to echa for a second um i think that that is really what's embedded <clears throat> at the core of of the book of echa right because you have you know um uh you you have you have this this five-chapter book, right? And and the middle chapter, chapter three, is is the core of the book because around, you know, in, in chapters one, two, four, and five, we're talking about the community. But in chapter three, we're talking about the individual, the suffering individual. <inaudible> I am the person who has seen affliction, uh, affliction at the rod of his anger. And if you look at chapter three, chapter three is, is, is a chapter of suffering. So chapter three really should be divided into three parts. Parts one and three are about the suffering of the individual. But the middle, the core, right, the middle of the middle of the book is about finding uh, one's inner strength, right? Yeshev, badad, v'idom, he should sit alone and and silent when this burden has been placed upon him. And that introspection that we have at the middle of echa, I think really reflects to us uh this ability of human beings to draw on their inner uh strength on, on something, you know, that that some core of faith that exists at the center of every human being in order to be able to make, to, to combat some of the, you know, hostile um, external suffering that, you know, forces that surround us. So I, I think on an individual level as well, I think that the Tanakh is giving us this message of, um, of, of optimism, of the ability to maybe um, uh, withstand some of the challenges that every human being is, is is
2: facing and in terms of each individual finding that faith or that positive side of that optimism um you mentioned in terms of the way that we can the position we're in today to be able to read to heal him um and i think for a lot of people to heal him and say and to feel that often unfortunately they associate more with like well when things are bad then i'm going to it and it's like a negative experience so how do you think that whether it's Tehillim as a sefer of Tanakh or the process of Tefillah, how can each individual find faith and optimism through Tefillah?
0: Wow, you just asked three different questions, which were, <laughs> all of which are really important, right? The the how do we read Tehillim? How do we daven? How do we find the optimism in davening? And and specifically maybe certain uh, individual Tehillim. So, so I'm going to do all three of those. Okay, Great. Just stand me on one leg, yeah. Um, so the first thing that, that, um, it, you know, I'll just point to maybe, uh, one specific Mizmar which, I mean, when I, when I, when I first sort of, you know, encountered this in, 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 in its profound message, I was just blown away by this, uh, Mizmar. Again, having that experience of, um, how could anybody have read this and understood it and, and appreciated it prior to our century, Um, and and that is Mismore Kuf So if any listener wants to open their Tanakh, if you're, you know, not driving or or taking a walk, (laughs) this is just really a remarkable uh, Mismore. The Mismore starts out it's 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 a terribly depressing and means more filled with despair, right? It's Hashem Shimat Pilati V'Shavati Elecha Tavo Al Taser Mimeni Beom Sarley Hatea Laoz Necha this call to God on this day that God has hidden his face, that this person is steeped in this in this terrible, terrible uh catastrophic situation. Then he describes the situation and he says my days have gone up in smoke the nihari. right my 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 bones are being burned on the pier I mean the Holocaust associations here you know I'm not I'm not really a person that's looking for the Holocaust in the Tanakh, but the associations here and the sense of everything has been lost, My life has gone up in smoke. All day, my enemies are mocking me, are shaming me. I ate dust as if it was bread, right? I drank my tears like they were water. Right. This 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 sense of anika ivash. I'm like grass that has dried up. Like everything has just disappeared. And the remarkable thing about this mizmar is that it turns around literally in an instant. Right. It goes from like zero to a hundred. And the 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 turnaround moment is pasuk yud gimel, where we have. Ve'ata Hashem le'olam You, God, are forever. Your remembrance is from generation to generation. In other words, you've promised us something. And so even though I stand here on the cusp of the Akeda, on the brink of the abyss, at the moment that I see my whole future disappearing, I still believe in your promises. Right? We're going to come back. We're going to re-emerge. Okay? Now, I, I want to say one more thing about this pasuk before I show you what happens in this more. This pasuk appears at the very end of Echa. It, it, it appears only in these two places. Right? That pasuk tells us that even when you're deeply, deeply mired in the despair of not knowing whether or not there is a future, if if we maintain that belief in God's promises, we, we we can we can potentially not lose hope, even when you're when you're standing up at the top of that mountain with with the ma'achelet in your hand, even when Am el seems to have lost everything. Uh, during, you know, the early 1940s in Eastern Europe. Because what's the next pasuk? What's pasuk Atatakum, You, God, will get up. Tzio, you will have compassion on Tzio. I'm skipping a little bit. Because your servants, they desire the, the, the stones of your shrine vi ye'u goyim tcha'am hashem dechum achar et kvodecha the nations will see the name of god kivna hashem tzion vir'a b'to b'b'b'b'go dow right um uh after this we have b'kavet amim yachdav u'mamlakot la'vodet hashem right we have this kind of um, ingathering of 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 am israel to the land of israel the rebuilding, the world sitting up and taking notice, right? You see what's happening in this Mismore? And this is just, I think it's an extraordinary experience. The Mismore has always been an extraordinary experience. We are very privileged to read this extraordinary experience from the from from some sort of ability to have a retrospective view of it, right? It's always been a Mismore that seems to kind of Strike you, you know, like to, to to kind of take this sharp turn from pessimism to optimism, with with almost no break in between. Now, I think I think that's the story of Tehilim. By the way, I think it's it's the story of all of the books in Tanakh that have a bit of a complex construction. Right? By complex construction, I mean a multi-authored construction, like Tehilim, like Sefer Trasar. Why is Sefer Tresar the, the book of Tresar? why is it considered one book when it's made up of 12 prophets, right? I, I think the idea of Tresar is that it's a book of, that takes us down into Galut, right? For, the first part of the book is about the, the, the exile of the northern kingdom, right? From Hosea until Yonah, we have the northern kingdom. The second part of the book is the Destruction, the calamity, the, ex- the exile of the Southern Kingdom of the Judean Kingdom from micha until Zephaniah—it's a really difficult kind of journey. We we, we we move into this situation of having lost hope in uh, the, the the story of Amisrael. But what's amazing is is that after Zephaniah, you turn the page and you're in Haggai. You don't even take a breath and you're in Chagai. So if Tzvanya tells us, you know, you built houses and God destroyed them, let's see if I can uh, find that Pasuk, right? Uh, because Tzvanya uses the words of Binu Bait, right? He says, um, Tzvanya says, um, uh, You will build houses and you won't live there. You turn one page and Haggai says, Right? Go up to the mountain, get a get a piece of wood and build a house. So Tzv'an tells us basically you're going to build houses and you're not going to be able to live there. And Chagai says, no, no, no build a house. Right? It's that it's the destruction and the rebuilding. There's this Uh, The the same sense, and and I'll go back to Tihilim for a moment, the same sense I think we have in Tihilim. Tihilim, I'm not sure I really have the time to get into this. This is a little bit maybe too uh, uh, far afield and, and would require too much time to unpack it. But I'll say about the broader sort of construct of Sefer Tihilim is that I think that Sefer Tihilim is telling a story. I think it's telling the story of Am Yisrael I think when you look at the five-book structure of Sefer Tilim, book three is a book of destruction. It's a book of the breaking of God's promises. Look at the final Mismore in book three, which is Mismore Pétet. Which is a a, a, a terrible mizmor of God. You promised the Davidic dynasty that it would be forever, and you broke your promise. It's such a it's such a difficult mizmor that uh the Ibn Ezra quotes a Chacham de Misfarad, a pious wise man from Spain, who said, "I will never say this mizmor, and I don't want anyone." To say it in my presence, which the Radak kind of goes ballistic about. Like <laughs> it's a wild thing to say. Apparently that's the Balakuzari. That's re- re- he was citing Rabbi Levi, not by name, but in other places when he talks about this wise man from Swarad, that's what he's talking about. In any case, if the if book three is is a book of destruction, book four, I think, is a book of galut. Right? It's it's the book that opens Tefilal Moshe Ishel What is Moshe doing in Sefer Tiliim? What is Moshe doing in, in in David's book? Well, he reemerges when we need Torah Moshe, when we no longer have autonomy, political autonomy. We no longer have the Mikdash. So, Book Four, I think, is a book of Galut. It's not a bad book. Book Three is a hard book. It's a book of destruction. Book four ends with a tfilah to God. And it's a tfilah. This is going to take us to, to tfilah. It's a tfilah that appears all over our tfilah. And that's how book four ends. And it's the tfilah that, that is, that is, that is hope for emerging from the galut. What is the conclusion of book four? <speaking> Right, it's a fila that says to God, Take us out of, of the exile, right? Save us so that we can praise your name, so that we can use our national autonomy to spread the idea of God in the world. That's how Golu ends, and of course. Book 5 in Tehlin, how does it open? It opens with Kuf Zion, which is the Mizmor that the Rabbanut Rashid uh, said is the Mizmor that we should say, How does Kuf Zion open? All of these people who were redeemed from God, who God redeemed them, and who he gathered up from different nations. What should they say? That's exactly what they promised. Take us home so we can praise you. So I think Tilim is telling a story. And again, it's that optimistic story. It's the story of when you think that things are lost, when you think that God has broken his breach has broken his covenantal promises to you. Like you think when you read uh, um, Mismore 89, right? Uh, the, the final Mismore of book three. When you think that all is lost and you've gone into exile and you seem to have lost your bearings and your footing in the world, you still can hold on to God's promises. By the way, I will just go back to Avram for one second before we go on to Tefillah. And that is that... Um, Abraham, uh, uh, in many of the Midrashim at the Akedah, Abraham is struggling. He's struggling with God's promises, because of course, what does God promise Abraham, right? And and God tells him it's not going to be Ishmael, right? Right? And so the idea that Abraham now has to, um, put an end to, to to God's promises is very very difficult, and and some of the midrashim actually cite from Mizmor Peiteh, from from Tehillim chapter eighty nine, and 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 it, it it suggests to me that this broader story that that we're that we're trying to look at here, this Kol Torah achat it, it really does pull everything together now, by the same token that Abraham is standing at the top of the mountain wondering what has happened to all of God's promises later on Am El is going to be standing looking at the destruction at the smoke at the you know the, the 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 catastrophe that has happened wondering what has happened to God's promises and Rabbi Akiva understands it and he laughs he says it's an absurd story but it's a story that Ultimately, Ultimately, we'll fill our mouths with the the absurd joy and, and, and laughter uh, of 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 what has happened. And and for me, that's the optimism. I mean, again, I'm sure part of it is I come at it with a certain kind of 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 you know kind of inclination. But um, but I see it. I see it over and over. I see it in so many ways. You know, you, they say, right? You should turn the Tanakh upside down and every which way because you're going to find everything in it. Every way that I turn the Tanakh, I see this um, optimism emerging even within the darkest moments of, of despair. Just to go back to Echa for a second. Uh, a lot of people ask me because, you know, I spent about five years writing my book on Echa. And a lot of people asked me, uh, aside from why did you choose that for the cover? But a lot of people asked me, you know, how did you maintain, you know, like, wasn't it so depressing? Right? How did you maintain your, your, your cheery disposition? I not not that I always have a cheery disposition, but how did you maintain any sort of uh cheeriness as you really delved into Echa? And it became, you know, when you're writing a book, it becomes so much a part of your you know your internal daily experience how did you maintain that optimism while writing about Echa? and you know i don't think i have to belabor that answer i think i've given it
1: i i i can't remember which dramatist it, it is that says you know if you introduce a gun in the first act of a play someone needs to have fired it by the second and we've spoken about to and how we're going to get to it uh we are going to get to feel but before we do um i want to uh just sort of come back to something else um you know, as you were saying, as literally as you were saying the words I'd scribbled down, Ben Bugbug, um that um, That I remember learning many, many years ago that, you know, if you look at, if you compare sort of the the three sort of um, main texts of Shlomo HaMelech with, uh, with Hashirim, um and then Proverbs and then um, Kohelet, that you can sort of uh, track sort of an arc of his life that it starts like, very romantic and very positive and very whatever. And then sort of through um, Mishle, there's sort of a bit of both and there's a calming down and sort of some pragmatism comes out and then it gets to Kohelet where it's, you know, quite heavy stuff. And uh, hopefully we're speaking to um, Dr. Erica Brown about her new book um, on Kohelet uh, for a future episode of the podcast. Um, But I sort of now looking at sort of the the practical sort of um, observances of of Tisha B'Av, you know, I think the when you said earlier that the Tanakh doesn't hide the humanity of the people in it, that, you know, they had human struggles and they had human errors and, and all these things. Um, when you're reading a book like Eicha or you're reading some of the more, um, I guess even like heart-wrenching bits of, of Tehillim, um, challenging parts of Tehillim, um, when it comes to the three weeks or to Tisha B'Av, um, are you able to, um suspend that optimism uh, or, or do you find sort of a a a sort of comfort um on uh, on tishvaav itself now you know having having spent so many years sort of dealing so closely with the book of echa from this perspective of optimism um are you able to sort of suspend or do you feel a need to suspend um that optimism um on tishvaav specifically um or uh you know do do you find that like the the morning is sort of enhanced by that optimistic outlook. Um, and then I promise we'll, we'll go back to Tefillah. To
0: yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really important question. I'm glad you're asking that question. Look, the, the, the default value, I think, is that the human condition is difficult. Right. In other words, I'm searching for the optimism. I believe it's there, but the human condition is difficult. It's not hard to plug into the um, the 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 difficulties. We all experience um, tragedy, and that's part of the human condition. You know, I'll just mention on a personal note. You know, I have a yard site during the three weeks. Um, That you know that those are things that human beings experience, and so. I'm, I'm certainly not, I, I mean, I, I focused on optimism because I think that that is a, a, the surprise of the Tanakh. And that is, I think, the what is offering us resilience in the Tanakh, resilience as individuals and more importantly, resilience as a nation. We as a nation have gone through, I think, extraordinarily difficult times. And we continue to go through difficult things as a nation, even it, you know on, on the other side now that we've come back to the land and we are experiencing some of the wonders of um of 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 you know coming back to to the land and reacquiring uh, political autonomy, it has very difficult challenges. And, and I will say uh, even within the books that I see this kind of movement towards um uh optimism, you know, like I talked about Treasari, I talked about Tihilim i would add to this also Yeshayahu. in all three of these books when we do get to the period of shibatsuen or of Giula, it's not a joy right it's not oh now we've 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 erased human suffering we've we've uh, managed to overcome the difficulties of the human condition that's that's not the situation i mean you know i'm more of a Maimonidean in my view of ahari hayamin right it's going to be just normal living that means we contend with um you know conflict and and tragedy and 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 difficulties and if you look at the mezmoray teilim in book 5 many of them are celebratory but we also have down moments and moments of, of, of great difficulty. If you look at the Pirkei Hama the, the chapters of Consolation in Yeshayahu, it's not all uh, lyrical and bucolic and, and, and some kind of, you know, um, uh, unattainable paradise. I think that's also what's beautiful about the Tanakh. And in our, you know, um, you're talking about the three weeks, so in our annual experience of, you know, the ups and downs of the year, we are meant to experience both celebratory moments. We're meant to acquire joy. We're meant to have that uh, that faith that offers us resilience, but also moments of great optimism. But that doesn't erase, and I think that the the, the yearly calendar suggests this as well. That doesn't erase the fact that human beings also have to use the. The, the difficulty to acquire um, uh, other aspects of our relationship with God and with ourselves and with the world around us, right? Difficulty, I think, makes us um, both stronger people, but also, I think, better people. And so all of this is true. <laughs> In other words, you know, I'm glad you asked me that because I, I, I certainly don't want to emerge from this as if, you know, I, I have this kind of naive view of the world. I mean, optimism is great, but naivete is 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 not necessarily um the, the the goal um and and certainly also today as i said you know the, the paper is full of um you know of 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 some of the challenges that we face in our day i mean sometimes I think all of us have had the experience, I don't know, all of us, but you know, of, of saying, well, you know, there were certain things that were that, that that were easier about Galut, right? About about being in exile. I mean, you know, I, I don't long for Galut, But you know, I, and I also i I also have adult children who who sometimes, you know, experience some of the things that are going on in Israel and 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 feel, you know, a sense of uh, maybe pessimism and 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 that's something that that you know we we have to work through as well right as a, as a family as a community as a nation we're we're not just sort of smoothly sailing through this period we have to work on it and it presents new challenges even i would say
2: um and i guess a question just coming totally out of you know out of nowhere which is what what would you say like where can we find optimism in in tefillah,
0: <laughs> okay, not coming out of nowhere. Um, so you know, I, I I think about this a lot. I mean, we do we do say the same tefillah every day, three times a day, um, and and what what I what I think about a lot in in tefillah is the first three um, brachot of the Amidah, which which I think you know, I mean you know there's so much to say about it and and but to me it kind of unpacks a little bit or or not unpacks it kind of. Uh, concentrates, uh, the opposite of unpacks. It concentrates some of the ideas that I see in, in, in the Tanakh. You know, so, so, so the first bracha, which is Magen Abraham, is the bracha of God's promises, right? Gomel Hasadim Tovim, right? We have this idea of, you know, God, uh, offers this promise of bringing us Geula. Um, the second, Bracha, I think is the Yitzchak Bracha, which is Triatameitim. Now, when I say Triatameitim, I think that the Tfilah makes it pretty clear, um, that, you know, maybe there are different ways of understanding Triatameitim, but this is Melech mit Umichayet matsmiach Yeshua. This is the Triatameitim of Yechez Keld variety. This is the Triatameitim of national renewal, right? National renaissance. The, um, idea of taking a nation who has become, you know, a, a dry bones, right, a desiccated nation, a nation that maybe has lost its creativity, its, its vitality, its its vibrancy, and giving it once again flesh and bringing it um, to life in, in a different way. And I think this is what Yitzchak teaches us. So I'm not just talking about, you know, all those Midrashim that talk about Yitzchak, uh dying during the Akedah and coming back to life again. Those are some really um wild Midrashim. But I'm talking about Yitzchak as the embodiment of um of 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 the absurd in in you know the, the the laughter that emerges when a nation that has been in exile and and should rightly have given up suddenly finds itself uh back again. Uh you know uh um, with, with vitality and with vibrancy. And, and uh, of course, the most, uh, the most important brachaval, because it's leading there, because it builds on the previous two, is atakadosh, vishim hakadosh, ukadoshim, the cholyom, right? The idea of, uh, all, of, of Amistar El's renewal is ultimately to create a world in which we are praising God, we're spreading God's name, we're creating a world where we see Kiddushah around us, and I don't just mean Kiddushah, you know, um, sanctity of, you know, of space, the Mikdash, or sanctity of time, but sanctity of humans also, right? The book of Kiddushah, the book of Sefer Vaikra, has uh, those three parts, right? It starts out with Kiddushah Hamakom, right? It starts out with the with the Mikdash, Sefer Vaikra. It, it sort of concludes with Kedushat Hazman, with the, with the Chagim and, and Shemitah. And the central part is Kedushat Ha'adam. It's Kedushim T-U. And it's the central book of the Torah. And what's the center of the center of the center? We did this with Echa also, right? What's the center? It's tal Re'ach HaKamocha. It's finding the Tzalem Elohim in the person across from you. If you want to live a life of Kedusha, if you want to be able to internalize God's message so that you can spread it in the world, you have to see the sanctity of humanness, right? Ultimately, when Avram comes to the land of Israel, what's the first thing he does? He builds an altar, vayikra b'shem Hashem, right? He calls on the name of God. And this, I think, is the Yaakov bracha, right? The Yaakov bracha is he's the one who builds the house, he's the one that recognizes I see God in this place. He's building. He's 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 moving us forward on that path. And of course, that's the reason for national renewal. What is it that we say at the end of Book Four in Tehillim? Hoshienu Hashem alokeinu vikabtzenu min agoim lehodot leshem kodeshah. Why should you bring us back? So that we can praise your holy name. That's the third bracha. you God got our holy. Your name is holy. And holy people will every day and praise your name. So, you know, we I think some people have this idea that 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 uh, bracha is very esoteric, which I understand why one would have that idea, but I actually think it's a very grounded and um and 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 you know practical uh, application of the bracha. I will say, and this is for you, Alex. A little bit of a, on a pessimistic, pessimistic note, which is that, sorry, I, I, uh, but you know that that when we move through Treasar, right, and you know Shiva Zion Chagai it's all very optimistic. We crash in Malachi. The final book of Treasar is a book where we fail to spread kedusha. What is the book of Malachi about? It's about the Kohanim and their failure. To bring uh, to, to, to properly infuse the mikdash with the um, with 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 kedusha with with sincerity and and therefore actually Sefer treasar ends with the threat of the next galut right but also the promise of <laughs> so even embedded within that threat that if you can't manage to create a world of sanctity all kinds of sanctity right sanctity of human sanctity of of space sanctity of of time then once again that that you know sort of calamity hovers on the horizon and ultimately um, uh you know, but ultimately, of course, embedded within that calamity is the promise of Giula. I you know, I once asked my son pretty recently, my uh one of my sons who's in Yeshiva is said, Tim, what is the Pasuk that we most frequently say in Tfila? I, I won't I won't ask you guys. It's a really hard question unless you're you know focused on it during Tfila. I could I could leave it with everybody um, you know, as a as a thought question, but I won't do that to our listeners, right? It's, I think, I mean, you know, this is just my own observation. Hashem O'Shia ha ya'aneinu v'yom right? It's about p'ula. and And I'll say one other thing, which is that what would you expect to be the most important, or I should say, rather the most ubiquitous Tanakh story? What might you expect would be the story that would appear... Like that would kind of be, you know, a um, uh, uh, kind of echo throughout the Tanakh the most. This is a real question.
2: If, well, if you we have have
0: <laughs> what?
2: what would we expect it to be?
0: Yeah. What would you expect it to be? What should be the foundational story of Amister El?
2: I mean, I, I would expect it to be
1: something a bit more optimistic in keeping with my personality, obviously. <laughs> um, no, but you'd, you'd expect it to be, you know, something with either with, you know, explicit revelation of God's power and divinity and, and Malchut and whatever, or something from Ezra and maybe of, of Zion or, or somewhere, you know, one of the stories of Zion.
0: I'm actually talking about the foundational stories. I'm going back to the very. Oh, I'm about yeah, the, I'm I
2: think I like it, see, I'm or or, or, uh, yeah, or, or okay. like okay. Olam or something.
0: <laughs> okay, so those are the correct answers. I, I might expect that Har would be the yeah. foundational story, right? I could see why someone might think that, but of course, Arya, you're right. the the, the foundational story, in terms of let's say its ubiquitousness, how often it emerges explicitly and even in terms of you know kind of implicit um uh references the most ubiquitous story is it happened time by far by far i, was, I mean i was amazing.
2: trying to get it wrong <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i know um, it was it was mentioned it's mentioned over 160 times after it concludes, after she wrote then That, I mean, the Tanakh is not such a long book. You know, I mean, sometimes it seems long, but, but, you know, only because we delve deeply into it. But it's, it's, it's an extraordinary um, uh, amount of times. And, and the reason I think is because that's the message of the Tanakh. God will save us. That kind of optimism. I think that, you know, again, you turn it over, you shake it, you Turn it upside down in every which way. And this is the story that emerges from, from the Tanakh. It's the story of creating a relationship with God that is based on faith and trust and perseverance and belief in God's uh, promises to us. And also, I think the assumption of responsibility as to what that entails, right? Which is, cha yom yom cha right? That idea that because God is, has created this um, you know, really um, irrevocable relationship with us, which no matter what happens, always revives. And even when it seems that it's that we're on, we're on the brink of the abyss, it we have triatame team, right? And, and, and therefore, with great privilege, I'll, I'll quote Superman now, right? With great privilege comes great responsibility, right? You know, just for a for a later moment. But that's I mean, but that is obvious, right? That's 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 an obvious message throughout the Tanaj. That's not something, you know, that 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 we're not aware of. And so ultimately, all of that calling to God uh reverses itself and has God calling to us, right? You know, uh, God God says to Abraham I'm gonna make your name great. That's wonderful, that's a terrific promise. But a few psukum later, by right? hashem. Avram understands that making his name great, that's not a freebie. That's not like a here now, you be great, go have fun, right? It's no, it's it's I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna position you in you know the middle of the two ancient superpowers of the ancient world between Mesopotamia and Egypt. I'm gonna position you there so you can spread the name of God, right? Uh, you know, and 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 this I think um has a lot of bearing on our story today you know we've been given great great opportunity and you know some people might say I don't know Alex you can weigh in on this that we're messing it up and maybe we are and maybe we're not but we have to be aware both of what it entails uh, and 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 what are you know what are our responsibilities and and what is our great privilege here as well.
2: Wow. So, on that final thought for today, um, I mean, there's lots more we could go and dig deeper even into Eichar, but we'll obviously encourage all of our listeners to uh, buy a copy of your book, um, Lamentations, Faith in a Turbulent World, uh, where you can get more of these both in depth understandings of the text, but also messages of hope and optimism from Eichar as well. And just to say, uh, Dr. Elziger, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for teaching us your optimistic Torah, uh, al regalachat. I'm a convert. Thank I'm you. a convert. Well, that's all for this episode of The Koran Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Yael Ziegler for joining us and helping us getting in a, a frame of mind, albeit perhaps an optimistic one, as we move towards Tisha B'Av. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Ziegler, for joining us. You can, of course, pick up her book, uh, The Maggit Studies Tanakh Volume, on the book of Echa, Lamentations, Faith in a Turbulent World, on the website corinpub.com and get 10% off your order with discount code PODCAST at checkout. You can also pick up her other volume on Maghila Root, as well as all the other volumes in the Mugged Studies in Sanach series are mugged. Uh, to our companion series and any other books with your order. Uh, It's a great time to stock up and have uh, some good things ready for summer reading uh, as we move into the summer months. Uh, If you'd like to get hold of us, uh, you can reach us on the usual socials at Koren Publishers, or email us at podcast at KorenPub.com. Until next time, this has been the Koren Podcast.